successful hedge funds have mythical standing within finance. Those in banks look to hedges similar to them, except the latter is more intelligent, better paid, and operates under fewer regulatory constraints. Most hedge funds grew out of the proprietary desks of the global banks up to the aftermath of the financial crisis. Fed Chairman Volcker pointed out the obvious that it was the public that picked up the tab for the bank's failures. The Volcker rule came into force in 2014, disallowing banks to punt the markets for their own book. With prop trading in banks now illegal, they all drifted off to hedge funds. Hedges make, in theory, outsized gains because they can shift risk exposure quickly based on the borrowing that they have in place from, you guessed it, the banks themselves. Using the bank's balance sheet, the leveraged component of hedge funds sits alongside real-world lending, such as mortgages, overdraft facilities, and corporate lending. Such diversification of a bank's balance sheet is a good thing, sort of. Well, recent events of Archegos would put that into question. The banks provide lines of credit to hedges through a division called Prime Brokerage, or PB. Whether it is cash-based, where the hedgy holds, say, stock in their segregated account, or via a derivative called a total return swap, the risk profile is quite similar. PB collects hefty fees for execution and funding, so they are profitable during low and mild volatility periods. The PB require their clients to post an initial margin at the outset, and a variation margin based on a one-day change in the value of their portfolio. If the hedgey cannot meet a daily variation margin call, the bank closes out the relationship, takes on the, and sells the portfolio at a loss, usually, that they hope is no more than the, the margin that has been posted to them. So long as the margin acts as a sufficient buffer, then PB is hugely profitable, until something goes wrong, and it's a complete cluster. The relationship between the banks and the hedges is essentially the same as with prop desks that we dub a short put profile. We mentioned the profile of limited upside and unlimited downside in a very early podcast called Hey Big Piggy and Little Piggies. We have intelligent traders having access to banks balance sheet run by less comp brokers. The brokers get paid well until the hedgie walks away in failure and they end up holding positions they never wanted, and usually in a highly volatile market. Such a, quote, holding the baby scenario is priced precisely what Volcker Rule intended to avoid. The act of parking contingent short put gap risk off of the bank's balance sheet only for it to return during a crisis was a common feature of the 2008 financial crisis that I will give it some justice in a future podcast. PB risk framework uses measures that are, well, backward looking. They negotiate and calculate the initial margin based on the historical performance of the positions they want to hold. It's kind of called, it's called value at risk. There's also a component of reviewing their track record and the individual hedges reputation as a player. Given PB risk framework is what? Uninspiring as I like to describe it. The only alternative is risk through avoidance of concentration. In the 17th century, London coffee houses were the meeting places where merchants and shippers would exchange gossip and landlubber investors to provide insurance to cover their ventures. Groups of investors would spread their bets 
by organising syndications. Apart from Antonio, of course, the titular uh, character in Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. In the case of Archigo, the size of the losses stemmed from a massive concentration in what we will call single name or idiosyncratic risk, idio for short. Hedges frequently used total return swaps to execute on what traders laughingly call stat R. There's no R, but that's another story. They make hundreds of long and short bets based on whether individual stocks look statistically under or overvalued. Such books can be in the tens of billions, but they're not massively exposed if a particular company does something, well, idiosyncratic. For example, a stock can shoot up if they are a bid target, or in the case of Viacom CVS, a, a botched block trade pushed its stock down violently. Archigos used enormous leverage from several banks to place highly concentrated bets on what had proved to be stellar performing stocks. When Viacom CBS dropped 30%, the banks made a variation margin call to the fund in the billions. Archigos did not have such funds available, defaulted and handed over its toxic portfolio back to the banks who had to unwind these oversized positions in a falling market. To say that the banks spilled blood on the street is an understatement. Credit Suisse has forced the departure of senior staff after losing a whopping $5 billion. How did they lend to such, lend so much money to one man who had lost a ton of money in the past in a previous hedge fund where the regulators prosecuted him for insider trading? Step forward, our favourite type of people in finance, the big piggy. Only a select group of bankers knew of Huang's reputation as the most excellent of traders. He was the biggest of the big piggies, and they were in this insider's group. As Wang rode the stock market, he massively increased his positions to this small select group of bankers. Huang managed to accumulate his personal wealth from $200 million to 10 times that amount in only eight years. He managed to blow his entire $20 billion nest egg in two short days and also pulled down half of that to his most generous of bankers. I mentioned the mantra of, quote, how much is too much in my previous podcast. The bonkers level of concentration single name risk was just way too much. The question did not come up as those bankers and the risk folk preferred to avoid such questions of their best client and bask in the association of being the greatest trader that those lesser mortals have never heard of. The banks deserve all the loss and losses and sanctions that will come their way from the regulators. PB is neither difficult nor is it riddled with complex models. The entire business and risk model is, however, open to abuse. In summary, we have big pigs that run these institutions with a salary, let's say, not far off $10 million. These big pigs then ingratiate themselves with a bigger pig that makes over a billion dollars. And they do it by lending them, the same person, money in the tens of billions. That money is state-backed and not used for mortgages and corporate lending. They are advancing billions to billionaire to help him become even more prosperous. When the proverbial hit the fan, the staff and shareholders, who are not on huge salaries and probably never knew of this guy, 
ending, ending up picking up the tab for $5 billion. Did they not learn anything from the financial crisis? The regulators should be massively annoyed. To end with, to coin a phrase from Mark Commode, quote, they should be very, very ashamed of themselves.